Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life, a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. Hi, it's Aurelien from Spooky and Strange, and I'm here to remind you that this podcast contains mature language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. Also, we assume that you have watched the show that we will be discussing, because there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's been out for a while, so get caught up already. (laughs) Enjoy! Oh no! Oh! (laughs) Ow! What'd the cat do? Claws. Okay. Claws. Welcome back to the Rewatch Recap. It's Dustin here with a rare case of Oraline. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible, but I thought it was funny at the time. Wow, you got to keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry I made you sound like a bacterial infection. It was very like morning DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if you want to hear more of our shenanigans or whatever, life in general, what we talk about, make sure to sponsor the show for only $3 a month on Patreon. Info is in the show notes. Oh, so yeah. Um, So Orlean and I uh, speculated about what the episode title could mean, and it's called The Strangled Heart. So, I mean, like I said last episode, it sounds like a Christopher Pike book to me. It does. So what do you, what did you think this episode was about before we went into it? Do you know? Can you remember? Uh, so my assumption is that someone was going to be severely heartbroken in some like horrifically magical way. Okay. Strangled by their heart. Or yeah. their heart is strangled. Who knows? Yeah. That, the magic strangled their heart. I don't know. But I mean, so many. Yeah, exactly. There's there's so many ways that that can be taken. It could be literal, you know, based on magic. Yeah, in this show, that could happen. For sure. It, it sounds very gothic. The Strangled mm-hmm. Heart, you know. It sounds like a V.C. Andrews book, for sure. That's what it really sounds like. It's, it's definitely dramatic. Oh, wow. Okay, so today, Oraline is recapping episode eight, The Strangled Heart. So I shall pass the wand to you, my lady. Thank you. All right. Previously, on The Magicians, the Beast almost killed Quentin. (gasps) Quentin also met Eliza, magical woman of mystery, and then he and his schoolmates turned into geese and flew to Antarctica. (laughs) This is literally how they did the clips in the previously. It's so weird. Yeah, you're like, what? And then Quentin and Alex had fox sex. That's going to come up in this episode. 
Um, Penny and Katie got closer, but then Katie got kicked out of Breakville's and she left Penny a burger post-it. Shout out Sex in the City to anybody who gets that. Uh, yeah, that's tr- oh, that is true. That is true. Yeah, right. Um, she left him a post-it. And you know, I, I felt this last episode. They may- they even show this in this previously clip, like that part where Katie left like the candy bar, the mm-hmm. chocolate bar for Penny. And I was like, this is this is important. Yeah. It's important. Meanwhile, in the previously, Katie's mom died horribly, and Julia fled. Julia's sister got her into rehab, and Elliot met Mike, who has a weird relationship with blue moths. <laughs> I had, yeah he's definitely possessed <laughs> yeah a lot has happened so far we're only on episode eight of the first season yeah it's gotten complicated guys it's getting really complicated uh, but episode eight we start with rock music suspenders and elliot making fancy cocktails for him and mike who is grilling outside I love how you just introduced that. Rock music, suspenders, and Elliot making cocktails. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's perfect. Go ahead. Keep going. Um, He brings the cocktails out to Mike, who I think rudely asks for a beer instead. He just made you a very fancy cocktail that he said he invented. I mean, that Um, took a long freaking time to make that cocktail. I know. He like sprayed something. I know. And he's like, you want a beer? And you can drink it. You can drink it. Okay, take the drink and said after this, could I have a beer? Like that's fine too. Like don't make oh. me another. <laughs> Mike. Anyway, Rude Quentin Mike. and Alice interrupt by just literally walking up in their Arctic wear, like they haven't even been to their dorm. Or no, wait, they don't have dorms. They live here now, right? Yeah, that's basically their dorm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they just walk up from somewhere in their white Arctic wear, and they take the cocktails, and Elliot is like, "Hey." <laughs> You're back. You're like, yeah, you're back. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that Quentin infatuation wore off or something. Wore off because he introduces Mike, who is a Breakbills alum, and he asks them about Breakbills South Sex. I mean And Quentin is like, uh, we did uh um uh Yeah, yeah. And then he goes like he goes, Why are you making that face? I'm like, oh you know. And then he goes, he goes, Oh, it's obvious that she seduced you or something like yeah. that. He's, no, maybe I seduced her. And he's like, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Alice goes off to take a nap and Quentin awkwardly sets down the drinks. Did they drink them? And just walks off to follow her again, awkwardly, like literally. Shambling. I will say though, his butt looks really good in that those pants. He has a good butt in those pants. I couldn't see that because all I could see was him being awkward. And Mike is like, oh, he's cute. And Elliot is like, I called dibs. So I was like, okay, I guess maybe... He's still got dibs. Yeah. (laughs) So Quentin follows Alice into her room and tries to have sex. And he's like, isn't nap code for sex? And I Oh my God. Like he jumped right up on her the second that door closed. (laughs) Like don't assume there's a secret code when you haven't talked about the secret code. Yeah. Like maybe you should get that that code understood. You know, you don't just... Uh, I love her door though. I love her door. Yeah, I I mean, I like her room in general. The yellow and green checkered look on the door. I think it was cute. She gets up and she's like, can we talk seriously? (laughs) Which is probably a lot of their relationship, honestly. And she's like, what we did was stress, circumstances, and pheromones. And Quentin says, maybe the first time, but not like the next four. And she's like, you were counting? And I'm like, while you were a fox? Wait. No, I think they did it since then, though, because remember they did it before they left 
Did they? They did, they did it as humans. Yeah. No, they were they just left. pissing. I thought they did. Right? It. I thought they started to do it, but then they turned into geese. I don't remember. We might have to roll back the tape, but anyway. No, apparently he remembers. At least <laughs> you know part of it is while they were foxes because she gets up and is like, I can still smell you. Fox you. Ooh. And he's like, maybe How that's because we have How does fox smell? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, maybe because we haven't bathed in weeks. And I'm like, Brakeville South doesn't have showers? Like... Well, it's cold as shit. So, I mean, I guess the water just roll around through. in the snow. You haven't bathed in weeks, <laughs> and they go stand by a fire. <laughs> you haven't bathed in weeks. Uh, that does sound pretty like. And you're still how is your how are these like those white jumpsuits so That's white? What if I'm you haven't saying. bathed in weeks. Like, come I'm like, on. do they just magic the no the dirt off of you? I mean, none of this adds up. Ugh. And Alice is like, are you in love with me? Which came out of nowhere for me. And he's like, I I don't know, which is very fair. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> but it's a, she's just setting up her next sentence, which is like, no matter what you feel, it's all muddled in this drunk fox experience, and she wouldn't believe it anyway. They need to figure, they need to spend time apart to figure out what's real and what's fox. For fox sake. <laughs> this show has gotten so exponentially weird. I mean, I mean, when you get to talk in code, but it's not really in code, but it sounds to somebody else like it would Remember be Remember when we were foxes? And we <laughs> fucked. And they're not even officially dating yet. Do you love me? Um, well, we fucked as foxes. I know, I, <laughs> I can mean, still smell you. Fox uh, you. You haven't showered for weeks. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, TikTok idea. It's Twilight. That biology scene with the fan, but it's like Alice and Quentin. Oh my god! You know, like when Bella walks into the classroom and Edward is like, <laughs> but it's these two because they haven't showered. <laughs> yeah, she does, or he does too. You know, or like it's the person who has to sit next to them in lab. Like, <laughs> sits behind them. It's the other couple. They're Quentin and Alice just sitting behind them. Like, what's up with those two? You know, the fuck. Uh, anyway, finally, we're in a real Breakbills class. A class. I was That's so true. excited to see this. I was like, a class. A class that doesn't involve our characters either. <laughs> it's oh, Professor it's Sunderland's so, class. It's so short. I'm excited she's back and she's talking about astronomy and she starts to explain how to factor in the position of the Pleiades when Penny drenching wet suddenly appears in front of the class because you can't have a full class of break bills it literally never happens no no after everyone leaves she says there's a syllabus to his learning and he's supposed to be studying astral projection did that not feel like the movie jumper where like he kept popping up in the library from like when he fell in the pool you never saw it he like fell in the lake and i think in the pool and every time he would like teleport into like the freaking library it was all this water came in with him every time so it's like drowning all these books. Yeah, you should watch it. Maybe it's fun. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Penny is basically like, if I want to master this earthbound shit, uh, like I'm like I have to do this before I can jump between worlds, and I don't want to be afraid of my ability. And she's like, is something else going on? I know I'm like, no, 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 no. He 80. is absolutely correct. 
Right, he is correct. He just explained it. You don't need anything else going on. Like, I'm I'm good. I'm doing this right now. We're not jumping around right into your shit. I got to do what actually makes sense and start right. small. <laughs> he's trying to survive. And she seems to want him to talk about Katie. But instead, he's like, hey, I got a great idea. Why don't you come travel with me? And he stands up and he gets closer to her. And he's like, you teach me. And I know there's a few things I could teach you. And he's like very sexy. Oh, my God. And she is definitely struggling with, like, saying yeah, no like, to this proposal. Uh, I don't think that would be appropriate. And he's like, oh, I agree. When do we leave? And I was like, Ooh. oh, my God. I know. I'd be like, now? <laughs> oh, my God. But she she stays strong. And she's like, you're going to be late for your next class. And I'm about to orgasm. <laughs> he walks away. And she's like, and like, yeah, he's hot. And like, the, there's, yeah, there's some power dynamic, but these are like people in their 20s. These yeah. are adults. Like, we don't have to worry as much about like student teacher relationship. <laughs> right. Like, they still probably shouldn't do it, but it, this is not an unequal kind of like thing we've got going. Yeah. Um, and then we get to go to another class, another class. And Dean Fogg is back. What? what? Um, and Quentin is looking longingly at Alice, who is not looking back at him. And Dean Fogg is talking about magic when Penny walks in late. Nice uh, continuity there. It's yeah. an actual school day. What? <laughs> only took actually, eight they episodes. They go to a magical to school and there's proof now. It only took eight episodes to get to a school day. Or like 10 minutes of one. Because Fogg says, look inside your bags. And I was like, it's going to be something awful. Like the bags are going to eat them. But no, it's books. <laughs> It's books. <laughs> He's doubled their coursework. What? <laughs> Yay, astronomy and botany. And I said, this is so exciting. <laughs> Let's learn. Um, and he says, study groups are mandatory. And he opens up a scroll where I guess he assigned everybody to study partners and study groups. And so everybody mm -hmm. gets up to look. Then we cut to Quentin calling after a woman who we haven't seen before. We'll never see again. But her name is um, Gretchen. Yeah. She's walking. Um, we get her name right away. But people we meet that are going to be like significant. We don't get their names for like an episode or two. Because we have time. That's how I we know we're never going to we see Gretchen we're gonna, again. They're making us want to learn their name. <laughs> I know. Because I'm like, oh, my God. She's walking with a cane. She. He goes, I heard you sleep with a Mr. Spock body pillow, which is like nice opener cue. Like, And then Why he's like, no judgment. Weird. No judgment. I have a bunch of spoken word Leonard Nimoy albums on vinyl. Are you interested? <laughs> and like she smiles, but then she says no words. So we know she's an extra that we're never going to see again. I know. So, maybe she got a name, though, and she was like handicapped. I know. And, you know. I, wait, what's going on with Gretchen? I want to know more about Gretchen. Can we get a spinoff with her in it, please? Look, the number of spinoffs we need. Um Anyway, Quentin then shows up to see Alice in the library, who was waiting for someone, but oh my god, she was waiting for Gretchen, not Quentin. Oh no. And Quentin is like, Gretchen just begged me to switch groups with her, and Alice is like, Ugh. And then he goes, I wore extra deodorant, and she says, it's strong. <laughs> oh god. The second hand just... Oh, cringe. Quentin. You already know. You can smell it when you, like, even though they don't want to describe the smell, you know the smell. You know what Quentin. I mean? Like, 
she said, let's take some time apart. And he was like, I'm going to become your study partner. <laughs> I'm going to put on an obscene amount of body, axe body spray. Who smells like a fox? Not this guy. I smell like an axe. <laughs> yeah, because then Penny shows up to study group and he says, hell is real and it smells like axe body spray. True and that. why isn't this show about Penny? I don't know. He's fabulous. I love him. Axe body spray is meant for somebody who's like exiting a locker room. Like when you you still have got like a little bit of musky smell to you. Even if you showered, you'll still have some of it because you're still, you know. That's where Quentin is emotionally. (laughs) He's exiting a locker room. (laughs) Emotionally. Emotionally. Um, I'm just worn out, man. (laughs) I just want like. Penny is sexy and interesting and he has a personality and he's trying things and he has an interesting magic skill. Like, let's go. Let's get it on. He's so much more interesting than Quentin is at the same age. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we zoom to NYC at night where Mike NYC. and Elliot are in bed and a giant moth flies in and lands on Mike's shoulder and his creepy eyes glow blue again. Yeah, it is What's creepy. That? Um, Mike gets up, goes out of the apartment and sees a rabbit at the end of the hallway. You know, just city things. <laughs> and he just looks at it. Okay. Right. And then it scampers towards him and he picks it up and he's like looking at it. And I'm like, is it talking to him? Or is he just staring at it? It's got that. I can't tell because it goes on for a couple seconds, but then he crunches it to death and opens it up and finds a dagger inside. Okay. I am traumatized by this scene. Why? Why kill the bunny? Why do innocent animals have to die? I agree. I did not like it. I looked away, but still the sound trigger warning to everybody. The sound. It's it's you don't really see it. You see a little splatter of blood, but then you hear it. And the scream, oh, God, it's just horrible. Ugh. Yeah, there was a giant bloody dagger inside the rabbit. And then um, magician's opening. What the fuck? I forgot about the opening. So much has happened already. We're like eight minutes in. I know. They they really wait a while before they start the show. <laughs> and they just throw it at us. And then so we have a color shift away from where we were. And we open on Julia writing a letter to Quentin, telling him she gave up magic, thanks for nothing, and to fuck off. <laughs> Blazing. I hope she sends it. Um, she's wearing white, and she's all in daylight, and she's looking like pretty washed out and exhausted. And then Marina walks in, in all black and red lipstick, and goes, who's your pen pal? Oh, God. Honestly, give me a show about Marina and Penny. I'm in. Ooh, that'd be a fun combination. Instead of Quentin and Julia have uh, Marina and Penny be our viewpoint characters. Somehow they got to partner up for something or and then. <gasps> yes. And then it's like enemies to, I don't know about lovers, but. Uh, Frenemies. Yeah. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. And then, of course, Katie would be like, you can't trust Marina. What are you doing? You can't work with her. And he would be like, I have to. I'm bound by this magical thing. And no, oh, he'd be like, fuck drama. you for telling me what I can do. You know, that kind of thing. You know, Why he- didn't we get this? This is such a good show. Anyway, Julia tells Marina to leave before she starts screaming. And Marina is just like, easy. I just came here to talk. I love her. She's all (laughs) smiles. And she goes, I'd say let's grab a drink and hash it out. But 
I feel like that's a no-no here. <laughs> She's <Bitch>. my favorite. <laughs> and Julia's like, okay, let's talk about you, what you did to Hannah, Katie's mom, by the way, everybody. And Marina says exactly what I thought she would say, which is like, I was defending myself against a thief, and it's really unfortunate that that had to happen. I still don't think it's right, but, you know. I'm not saying Marina is a morally gray character. She's <laughs> like, she's pretty dark. Yeah. But I get it. It's not out of character for her. No. And then she picks up one of Julia's crumpled letters and she's like, is this an amends letter? And so Julia's like really going all in with this addiction thing, which is the worst thing to tie yourself to for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. I'm like, come on, chill out, girl. Yeah. And then Marina sits down and she actually says she's sorry. And she's like, I don't let in a lot of people. And I actually like you, Julia. And I don't want any of this. And then she's like, do you really mean it? Giving up magic? And Julia doesn't answer, and Marina scoots over and is like, okay, if so, we're cool. You don't come after me. I don't have a blood oath on you. (laughs) But if you do come after me, I'll murder you and everyone you care about. Well, the ones that are left anyway. I mean, like, why twist the knife even more? Look, Julia did a lot of this to herself. She really did, but still. Yeah. Because Julia's like, you're such a bitch. And Marina's like, you're weak. Why are you apologizing to Quentin? He should be in here, not you. And like, we can debate that. I don't think either of them need to be in <laughs> institutions right now. No. But um, yeah, Marina's right. What are you doing, Julia? You're just giving up? Yeah. And what was cut- that whole compromise with her mom or her sister over her, her mom? Her sister. And, you know. It's because you told people you were an addict and that you have a very bad problem. (laughs) So, of course, they're like, let's help you by getting you help that addicts need. Do what addicts do. Anyway, cut back to Dean Fogg's office where Professor Sunderland and the medical professor. Does she have a name? Well, it's Sunderland and it's Eliza. No, it's not. Yeah, it was. It was. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Her name is um um. Oh my God, what is her freaking name? It's uh. uh, I don't know. Medical professor. I know her name. I have. I think I wrote it down later. But go ahead. Um. So they are taking the boxes off of Fog's hands, which is very exciting. And she says they look better, and tells him to try a spell, but he isn't able to finish it. And the medical professor says there are physical therapy exercises and he cuts her off and says, when I was four years old with no instruction or help from anyone, I taught myself magic. I will do so again. And I was like, damn, where's our fog prequel? Like literally everyone in the show is more interesting than than the people we're following. I know. Like, like <laughs> oh, I want some like backstory here, you know. Tell me more. But <laughs> we don't find out because back in the physical house, Elliot is melting down about what to wear he says he's not emotionally prepared for mike to see him in repeat outfits he cannot deal with intimacy at all like he just can't deal with it no he's totally like putting it on clothes and quentin is like i think this might be a margot problem and elliot is like obviously but she's shacked up with some artist somewhere and i was like but it's school right you all have school 
Like how long? So this is they telling were just in class, right? And she left like just before they came back from Break Bell South. Then right. they come back in the beginning of this episode. She just left, really, and she's only supposed to be gone for like three days, right? I uh, maybe something went wrong, but I don't know. No one seems worried. Um, and Quentin is like, I haven't seen you care about anything yet, and they basically agree that like most things aren't worth caring about. Um, but then they also agree that Quentin cannot help with this. No. No. Uh, back at the rehab center, Julia meets Richard, a group therapy leader. As he talks, she steps closer and closer to the group. When he talks about there being something bigger, she's like, just say it. God. Oh. And then she says, you know, there's a word for when you lean on something. A crutch. Replacing drugs or booze with God is just swapping one crutch for another. She is not wrong. She's not wrong. However, sometimes people need crutches. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, wrong with that. (laughs) Richard the chaplain is Mackenzie Aston, who's Sean Aston's brother. (gasps) I had no idea. Yeah, John Aston's other son. I guess that's so fun. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm trying to pretend this is like mostly our first watch through, but I can't look at him. Oh, we know. I yeah. can't look at him. Anyway. If you know, if you've watched this before, you know why. So I like I got scared when he came on. And like, I was oh, like, not this. Oh. Not this again. Not this. Yeah. So everybody, the show gets dark as you knew. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Richard laughs and is like, well, that's a bummer way to look at the world. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, why don't you just tell people the truth about how terrible the world is?" <laughs> and then she's like, "Give a man hope and a nickel, all you have is a nickel." And he's like, "Who said that?" She's like, "Some dick." <laughs> yeah. Um and he's like, "What about making the world what you want it to be?" And he asks her what she believes in anything, and she can't answer. You know, I'm getting so tired of hearing hearing about something for, that's bigger than you i get so tired of hearing about that like work on something that's bigger than you i'm like it seems like it feels like sometimes um people say it to just shut you up about mm-hmm. your problems and pretend that they're meaningless and that your problems are meaningless and that you should just focus on something else instead like no my problems are still there though i need to fix these things like, right it's not an or it's yeah. like, this is one thing we can talk about, but this is what I'm trying to talk about right now. Yeah. not You know what you should do? Volunteer. Like, what? No, but that I'm missing a kidney. Fix- like, <laughs> you know, like- <laughs> Yeah. That doesn't just like fix problems. And also you don't just like become part of a community. Yeah. Any community? No. You find your people. Right. Without having to change yourself. Okay. My goodness. Yeah. It's bad um, therapy. Anyway. It is. Uh, so we cut to a bird's eye view of trees and a field containing Quentin, Alice, and Penny, our little study group. And I kind of got confused. They're trying to identify a spell by looking at a plant, I think, or maybe like this plant. Or the gathering plants for can a do spell. Witch spells. I, I don't care. They're not doing great as a they're team. They're not really telling us what the assignment is, really, anyway. so They're, they're just doing stuff. Um, and Alice is like, I brought flashcards. And Quentin is like, Thank you, Alice. And, <laughs> and Penny is like, for one minute, can we? Can you not give her the googly eyes? And Quentin is like, 
I don't know what you're talking about. And Penny is like, hey, idiots, we saw you all fuck in the snow. So the jig <laughs> yeah. is up. And they, were, they had windows in that place. We could see it. But I was like, how did you know it was them? It was just foxes that you saw. How did you know? Also, does that mean everybody else wasn't foxes? What happened? Like, are they the only ones who turned into something other than that geese? That would be so funny if they, they turned into foxes and everyone else just sat at the windows like, oh, what are they? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, they're fucking. Okay. <sighs> and then Quentin very oddly is like, my fox penis was like long enough or something. I don't, I don't fucking, he, he like defends that. his fox manhood. It was oh so God. weird. And then Alice is like, I've done enough studying for one day. And she walks away. <laughs> you got to go back and watch because he's like, I was very like well represented as a fox or something. Like he says it in a way where you're like, Quentin. Like, dude, don't. Don't try to, like, sell us on the bestiality of it all. <laughs> yeah, he really romanticizes fox time in a way that I'm like, oh. <laughs> anyway, Quentin and Penny snipe at each other while they, like, kind of do work until Quentin kind of asks for advice. And Penny is like, man, you act like a stalker and then you deny that you're interested. He's totally if right. you don't go after her, somebody else will. Well, I don't know about that, but still, like, he's totally the, the yeah, stalker. Yeah, she's a little like... – I mean, yes, she's a little prickly. However, again, we're in a grad school of magicians. She'll find someone. Mm. We just she's haven't pretty. met them yet. And, you know, I was going to say something earlier. Like, when they show them, like, there was a good shot. And I was like, you know, I like that not all the girls in this are, like, skinny, mini, waifish-looking women. You know, they actually have figures. and. I mean, I'd say, like, few of the women are – Wayfish, no, but like uh, like Alice, Katie, you know. I mean, obviously Marina, she's tall and she's slender. That's just how she is, you know. And I mean, yeah. Julia's just she's really thin and like small. I think she's petite. petite. Yeah, I yeah. think she's petite. But but like but for the most part, like the women in it in general, just normal sized, normal looking women, which I liked. I thought that was really. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Yeah, it's it's not. The Vampire Diaries version <laughs> of the magician. We were like, eat a burger, not a person. And everyone is so beautiful and wearing so much makeup all the time, and their hair is shiny, and like everything is perfect. And I wish, man. Like their stomachs Oof. look great, and they have cleavage, and you're just like, this is uh. low rise jeans and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that's not on Netflix anymore. I know it's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. Good to know. Although just I did buy Warner the Brothers first season on DVD. So. Like after five years of it being on Netflix, they or something like that, they go it over to HBO Max. They revert back to Warner Brothers oh, ownership. So sad. Okay. Anyway, uh, we cut back to the physical house where Elliot and Mike are having a romantic dinner with candles and everything. And Mike my, is like, "This is oh too God. much." Mike is so much shorter than Elliot. <laughs> it's so obvious. I know, but I feel like. Elliot's really tall. He's taller than everybody. Yeah, but he's really show. a lot shorter than Elliot. Like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't really know. I think Quentin's a little taller than like like he's close to Elliot's height. You know what I mean? Oh, I not really uh, not really close, but you know. Yeah. Um. Mike is like, this is too much, and you really don't need to do all this, and I should be doing more. And Elliot is like, no, I love doing this for you. And he's like, I'm just worried I'm going to start to bore you. And like, it's really cute. It is. And you know what, though? He makes a good statement, though. And he was like, he was, you know, not from when you're in a different, different country like Texas. And he was like, Texas is a state. And he goes, not when you're from Texas. I'm like, totally true. You go through Texas. It's like almost like a different damn country. It absolutely is. Um, they sit down and Elliot asks Mike, 
where do you think I come from? And at first he makes a joke because all he can do is deflect. But then he shares that he was born to farmer parents in Indiana. He's a farm boy, guys. And he says, becoming me was the greatest creative project of my life. Oh, This is a and very you know, all episode in a couple of times. Yeah. And, you know, I like how he's like, you are the only other person that knows other than Margot because yes. that was the truth thing that we shared before we turned into geese. Yes, that was so cute. And Mike says, thank you. And then they kiss and you're like, oh, they like each other. It's really sweet. It is. Um, we get a brief shot of Fog practicing magic in his office, and he's frustrated and he's struggling, but he's trying. So maybe we'll see him back to power. Um, back in the field, Penny and Quentin have been working on the spell assignment still, and they've been here all day, and now it's night. Okay. And it's very obvious that Quentin's like trying to rebond with Penny because they were on good terms for a minute, you know? Yeah, but he's about to uh, awkward it all up like Quentin does because yeah. he's like, okay, so what happened with you and Katie? And Penny deflects and then, Quentin, why do you talk? And he's like, I don't get it. You act like you're this panty whisperer and your girl disappears and you don't even know where she is. And I was like, whoa. You're why not get so. Yeah, he kind of got really kind of mean with it a little bit. Yeah, like, like, but maybe he thought maybe that's what how Penny wants to be talked to because Penny's always acting that way in a way. You know what I mean? No, he only. Yeah, but then Quentin says stuff like this, and it's like, no, Penny has never acted like he's this panty whisperer, and as far as we know, he slept with Katie. Yeah, that's it. Like, what? Why is he trying to make him into something else? Um, and Penny is like, well, if you see her. Can you say she owes me 20 bucks? <laughs> and then he goes, can I help you? And Quentin is like, er, 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 but it's Mike. Mike is suddenly standing behind Quentin. Like out, out of the nowhere. Field. Yeah. And he's like, I got turned around. Do you know where the cottage is? We just saw him though kissing. Anyway, Quentin goes to point out the cottage and then. Mike attacks him with that rabbit dagger. <laughs> the rabbit dagger. I love that. And he tries to stab him. And Penny tries fighting him off. And then Quentin does some battle magic. Did you notice? Yeah. He some battle magic there. Um, but then Penny gets stabbed. He like, he like, um, Mike jumps on. Basically, he's on top of Penny as after he stabbed him. And that's when Quentin used the battle magic to like blow him off of Penny, basically. Yeah. And then. Um, Mike runs off and Penny rolls over and Quentin starts calling for help. And then Penny's being taken to the medical wing and Quentin is being questioned about the knife and Mike. And in a separate area, Quentin tells Fogg about Mike and asks if this could be beast related. And Fogg asks, well, why would it be? And Quentin says, it makes more sense than someone new trying to kill me. I totally agree. That's smart. Yeah. This is like, this is reasons like this is why I'm like, Quentin is autistic, guys. He can see these patterns and it's very obvious. And he's like, no, this is the obvious step of progression of the No, but there's all these scenarios. No, no, no. I'm seeing this right here. I've narrowed it down. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's parts um, of that. Anyway. But Fogg is like, there are far too many possibilities and we have to find Mike. And Alice shows up um, and asks how Penny is. And Elliot is also there just like drinking by himself. So Always sad. has a flask. Um, and Alice says everyone is really scared and that Mike was found trying to open up a portal near the Welcher Stadium. 
And I'm like, oh, right, Welters, that sport we'll never see or talk about again. No, we just know that they've, they've played it once, at least. Um, And so Mike and Fogg are somewhere within Breakbills, somewhere that Fogg is telling us was designed at the turn of the century. It's essentially a magic clean room where no spells can be cast, which also seems very dangerous for magicians to be in. Yeah, especially if you're not used to, like, physical battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All you're doing is waving your hands around and then and There's only, like, happens. one of you and there's no guards on the door. Like, anyway. Um, Fog asks uh, about the weapon and if he was targeting Penny or Quentin. And Mike seems genuinely confused and says he was in Brooklyn and then he was here. I mean, that sounds really messed up. It seems like what we saw, though. I mean, it does. Yeah. I mean, I know. But it's like, could you imagine, like, all of a sudden, you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? Huh? No. Um, and then you have, like, a knife in your hand. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe you wake up after. And Mike even says, like, Fog, you know me. Like, he was a student here. Mm-hmm. And um, and he knows, like, Mike couldn't. And then Fog says, I know you did. Oh. And you're like, oh, how do we know? That's so interesting, too. And outside, Professor Sunderland is blocking the door from Elliot and Quentin, who, of course, are like, what is going on? Fog comes out. Sunderland goes in. And Elliot asks if Mike will just be left in there. And Fog says there's a procedure for dealing with magical crimes. There's a system. They're sending a representative. And they'll figure out the punishment. I mean, okay, I get that, like, I don't know. I just, it feels bad that Elliot is not concerned at all that Mike actually stabbed somebody he knows <laughs> is he I gonna agree. be okay um your friend was stabbed or your semi-friend somebody you know at least was stabbed by this man out of nowhere <laughs> and you're like is he okay what no i know one track mind i, mean, I also write down ncis break bills mm-hmm. again strikes fun. again um and Elliot says this reeks of mind control and Elliot is like yeah and mike had weird eyes and fog is like hey I've looked at every possibility. We have to consider whether this was done intentionally. I'm like, why is he so hell-bent on it being done intentionally? I don't know. He must have information we don't. But we haven't seen anything yet. But, like, Quentin's like, no, no, no. Again, I have an autistic mind. And he had blue (laughs) eyes. (laughs) It was not normal. This was not normal circumstances. Yeah, but... but We don't spend time there because we jump over to Penny, who is alive, yay, and awake in the hospital wing, and he's asking for painkillers. And the nurse is trying to see – or nursing student. I'm not totally clear on how things work on the medical side here. Yeah. But he jumps out of bed and is like, I'm going to find the motherfucker who – and then he falls to the ground because he has a fucking open knife wound. (laughs) And it's cursed. And it's cursed. I know. I'm like, oh, that's great. He goes, yeah, it's all weird black veiny magic thing. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. It's like dark willow just like sprung up on his stomach. Yes. And Penny is like, I hate magic. I'm like, yeah, vibes. <laughs> that's Her Her name is Professor Lipson, by the way. Lipson. Okay. Thank you. The um, medical professor or whatever. Yes. So later, um, Quentin comes by and he and Penny are chatting and Quentin says he owes Penny a Wookiee life debt. And Penny says, get a knife. I'll stab you right now. <laughs> um, they agree that this seems beast related, but Mike isn't from Fillory. 
And then Quentin asks if Penny wants him to call anyone, and Penny says he's good. And then they share a look, and he says, if she cared, she'd be here. If she knew. I mean, yeah, she probably doesn't know because you're at Break Bills. How would she know? Yeah. I mean, it really is like Quentin is really trying. I guess he's trying to show Penny that he's he cares in a way. He knows how to be nicer than this, though. I know. But he's like. They're trying you know, to bond. Kind of. He's, he's trying to force a bond. Like, I think he really he's like, I need to win Penny over. Like, yeah, you do. You're probably going to need him one day. You need to win his ass over. Yes. <laughs> or at least not be so actively antagonistic of him. Oh, my God. Like, stop. Stop pushing buttons, man. Yeah. Um, so outside of Mike's holding cell, Elliot is like, just give me two minutes. And Professor Sunderland is like, how are two minutes going to make you feel better? He says he's not here to feel better, which should be a red flag. But she lets him in anyway. (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) I I was like, magic. You want to feel bad? Go on in. (laughs) Magic police are not going to agree with this decision when they come. (laughs) Why'd you let him in? He said he didn't want to feel better. Oh, okay. Then that's okay. What? (laughs) Um, And then. The summary of this part is more, oh, Elliot finds out that Mike has been blacking out and asks if he was blacked out when they met and Mike doesn't answer. And you're like, oh, oh, you don't remember meeting me. Oh, I had uh, sex with you and you had no idea. Oh, oh, it's just, oh, non-consensual um, sex, but it wasn't rape because he didn't know. He, he didn't he know. Did, did right. either of them arguably even know? Basically, it was kind of a magic rape for both of them because neither one consented to the situation they were in. With the person. Yeah. Oh, oh, this this show. Elliot um, consented to be with Mike thinking Mike knew what was going on. He did not consent to this like, magical is, mind wipe right, crap. This possession. Um, so back at rehab, Julia is writing and Richard comes up to talk and she goes, no, I don't want to buy a Bible. And they laugh. And then he goes... <laughs> What safe house were you in? And she's like, "What now?" She's like, looking around. <laughs> the face you just made. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was a good one. Right, you know, exactly like, you, what you, know, you like? You sprung up like I don't know, like a chipmunk or something. Like heard something. It was like, "What now?" That's exactly what she does. She's like <laughs> casually looking around, like very suspiciously. And he's like, "I recognized your ink." And she's like, "You a hedge?" And he's like, "No, classically trained." He went to break bills. <gasps> Have you heard of it? And she says, um, she checked in here to get away from magic. And he says, magic isn't the problem. Magic is a gift. What we call magic is a set of tools left over from creation, he says. And she scoffs. He says, gods don't do things by accident. And I wonder if that concept will come back to haunt us later. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, he's like, the tools were left for us to find. I'm like, but only certain people, right? Like, uh, were they? Are we going to go into this, like, theological explanation of magic? I mean, I don't know. Or are we just going to find gods later and see how they act and maybe find out they're more human than we like? Yeah, Um, I don't know. And it's funny when he's like, have you heard of break bills? And I'm like, I just wanted her to say, buddy, have I got a story to tell you? Anyway, he's like, don't take my word for it. And he hands her a piece of paper. And we don't see what it is. Um, I wouldn't then- know. I was like, is this like some kind of condensed magical version of the Watchtower? That's what it felt like. Well, I was like, is it an address? Is it people? Is it like, what? what is he handed her? Today is secret word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
back in the hospital wing, Penny is in bed and he hears that woman calling out for help in his mind. And Alice walks in carrying his homework and he's like, why? <laughs> I'm in the hospital. Why are you? you should, I don't want also, you to fall behind. Nobody takes class seriously here. Um, and she sits down and she's like, well, you probably need to talk to someone who isn't a healing student. And since Katie isn't here, dot, dot, dot. Wink, wink. And he's like, I'm fine. And she's like, great. And he's like, Katie had shit to do. And she's like, yeah, people are generally disappointing. <laughs> Which is kind of a theme of this episode, too. Of the show in general, actually. <laughs> it is. Um, and then Penny is like, yeah. Like when you're into some loser who is so obsessed with children's books that it's like he doesn't see you like that. And Alice just looks at him. And I'm like, damn, dude. She's trying to be nice. Don't you know that? My God. I know, but I think he's also trying to be like, you're smarter than this. Yeah. Which I think she is. Um, Anyway, he winces in pain and she's like, can I do anything? And Penny's like, yeah, go to my room and get my pills. And she's like, pills he's like yeah i'm a traveler who hears voices in my head i self-medicate yeah i don't want to hear this shit all the time thanks yeah and then she notices that his wound is bleeding and something is coming out of it oh i was like is that a tiny leg is that a tentacle I i was like is that a tentacle and then she yells for quentin because it's from the fourth fillery book finally quentin has a job to do and he explains that jane was attacked by an assassin. Um, I didn't write down the name. The Lorian assassin. The Something bad like guys that. from a neighboring kingdom. And Fogg is like, focus. And Quentin is like, um, rose vines grew from Jane's wound. And she was told they'd keep growing until they strangled her heart. Boom. The title. They said the thing. They said the thing. They said the title. They did, they did it. <laughs> Um, but Jane survived, and Quentin actually knows how to fix something. Yes, Yay. Quentin. Um, Quentin has sewn a penny doll. And the plan is to transfer the curse from Penny to Doll Penny, like Jane did with her doll in the story. Okay. But it doesn't work. Why then, doesn't it work? Oh, man. Magical mysteries. It's almost like you need a little bit more context, Quentin. Yeah. Uh, Fog walks into his office and Eliza is sitting on his desk and he's like you know that knife the Virgo blade is from Fillory and she's like oh I'm familiar you should have called me much sooner and he says this is your mess clean it up and get as far away from my university as possible and she looks down and swallows and like she looks kind of shamed Quentin grabs her on the way out and he's like, it's the beast, isn't it? And Fillory is real. And she's like, yes, yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, yes, just shut the hell up already. Damn. Where have you been? And he's like, what about the books? And she says, the books are a child's drawing of Fillory. The real thing is stranger. Ooh. And he's like, yeah, it's full of monsters who are trying to kill me. (laughs) And Eliza says, do you know what the beast wants? control of Fillory and all doors that lead there. Maybe he thinks Quentin will find a door. And she references Fillory and further book six and says he needs to read between the lines. Jane's doll wasn't special because it looked like Jane. It was special because of where it came from. Jane's mother gave it to her and we see a flashback of young Jane opening the door. The doll was all she took with her to Fillory, her most precious possession. 
the curse accepted the doll as a sacrifice in place of Jane's heart. It's kind of a talisman, basically, right? Yeah. Just another awe. Um, It is a sweet thing, but it's like it makes sense why it would be connected to her so deeply, you know? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And she had to give up that last piece of that, like, humanity in Fillory to survive. Yeah. Um, It doesn't bode well for Quentin. Uh, Eliza implies she'll answer his questions after he saves Penny. And Penny is not doing well. The vines are in his eyes. And I'm like, he's fucking dead. (laughs) Yeah, it does not look good at all. They went from his stomach to his eyes already. They must be in his brain. And Quentin is even like, I guess it's too late. Which is how we know it's not because Quentin is never right. Um, (laughs) Well, not not his fault. The show is. He's always always right at the last moment, but not like in the. And then we jump to Julia, who is drawing a circle in chalk on her floor. About to do some magic. What? Um, but what she says sounds more like a prayer to me, to like she of the grain. And she looks around skeptically after she says stuff because nothing happens right away. But then her body rises up in the air and the music is like, oh. I, thought, I, was like, I called it like a self light as a feather, stiff as a board spell. Yes. As she just like rises up and the music, uh, the light is behind her and the music. And you're like, is Julia an angel? Like, this show doesn't know. have angels, but like it's very strongly. Um, yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Alice and Quentin are in Penny's room looking for his most precious possession. He finds <laughs> pictures and Alice is like, he's not sentimental. And Quentin says, everyone is sentimental. And I agree. But they both yell, you're projecting. You're projecting. I love this part when he pulls out all those scarves. And he's like, it's like, it's, I'm getting definite clown vibes. That was really funny. <laughs> and then Alice says, it's the pills, because she knows a little tiny bit about him. And Quentin is, at, is like, you can always get more pills. They're fungible. And Alice goes, you're fungible. <laughs> <laughs> They're pants and children. Like, what is up with this? Oh, my God. Maybe don't date, guys. Maybe, um, maybe you're not ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they take a brief break, and we find out that Alice's prized possession is a quilt her grandmother made covered in cats. And Quentin's, uh, of course, is a copy of Fillory and Further Book One. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, to anyway. save up for it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah, okay. They get back to looking, and they find a chocolate wrapper from Breakbill South, and they decide to try it. Mm. Oh. See, now we know what that whole flashback previously thing on. He loves her. Anyway, they decide to try it. And as it burns, the vines in Penny's body seem to respond. And back at rehab, Julia asks Richard what he gave her. And he's like, did it work? And she says, it felt like she wasn't casting a spell. A spell was casting her. And Richard says, it's not a spell. It's a prayer. And Richard says, you're lucky she answered. And Julia's like, I don't, I don't know. It felt dangerous. Um, and Richard says that Julia treats magic like a drug because the people who taught her act like drug dealers. They buy it and sell it. They fight for it and fuck for it. He says that's not the only way to live. He's very persuasive in the way he's telling this, but it really feels like a culty recruitment. I agree. Like it I screams mean, con job. I don't know. But Julia is also exactly the kind of person you'd go after. 
Oh yeah, because you knew you knew that she like, was somebody smart, who was trying. Interested. I need to get away from this because it's eating me alive. Oh, I should go after her then. Yeah, yeah, and he, she's looking for a different way. And he says he's a very good magician, trying to make the world a better place. So Ugh. she can be one of those people, or she can be a dealer, or she can stay here and be nothing. Which is like, whoa, dude, she's trying to get better. And you know what? Way. Anybody who like brags that much about how good they are. Yeah, you got to worry about the ego. You're like, no. They're led by ego. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a trap. It's a trap, Julia. It's a trap. I know. And she does hesitate. She hesitates. Uh... And all she says is, if I give you something, can you get it into break bills for me? I feel like that's a waste of a favor, especially if it's getting a letter to Q. But we'll see. Um, Back to Mike, still in the random prison. Um, Eliza comes in and says, I can see right through you. And then, uh-oh, he's like, I wouldn't dream of fooling you. And he has a new accent. Yeah, it's it's not Mike anymore. It's the beast. She says, you're clever. And yeah, that's when I was like, wait, Mike is being possessed by the beast? The fucking beast? The fucking beast. And all he did was try to get one dagger and stab one student? Sorry, What? Anyway, all he did was try to stab one person. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like you could have burned down the physical house with all I your mean, like acts. Just like you know, why not? Um, and she says there will always be doors to Fillory. Um, and he says same determined little Jane Chatwin. Mm. Mm, so now we finally know who Eliza is. And she says, I never wanted this. He says he picked the Virgo blade specifically for her, for nostalgia. And she says, while Penny will live and your Mike is going off to prison and you haven't achieved anything. And then he says, I was waiting for you. And he gets up and he hits her with a chair. I mean, okay, but... Why is there no one outside the door for added security? This is what I'm saying. Wait for the NCIS magic police to get here. What are you all doing going in here one at a time with no support and no weapon? I mean, you don't even tell anybody. Like, you don't even say, hey, by the way, this is what I'm doing. Just right. Watch my back. And then after the break, he's dragging her by the leg, gets on top of her, starts strangling her. And yeah. I'm like, Eliza, do something. Do some magic. But she can't do magic. And his eyes are blue again, and he breaks her neck, and you're like, oh, God. And then he explodes her. I know. I'm like, did he explode her head or her neck? What did he I don't want to know. And then I wrote, no, Jane. I mean, Eliza. Or person. Yeah. Oh. It's it's pretty fucking gruesome. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, The stakes in this magic world are so real. And I don't remember any of this part. Happening. I remembered that Eliza was Jane. I knew that the entire time. I knew that. But then I'm like, I didn't remember her getting killed and this viciously. It was it was pretty fucking it was horrible. She shouldn't have gone in there alone either. No. Um and then Mike leaves the room and Fog is in the hallway and he tries to trick Fog, who like knocks him back with magic, but he's way too strong. The beast Mike. Mike in beast mode. Beast mode Mike. (laughs) Um Berserker Beast Mike. Beast Mode Mike knocks spell out or knocks fog out with a spell. And Elliot comes from around the corner. Why are you guys doing this one at a time? You'd be much stronger together. But then Elliot slices him with magic, takes him out, 
and then cries. I know. You're like, because he liked him and he had to kill him. There was no way to stop it. This is a very awe episode. And this poor Mike guy who has no idea what's going on. He just got killed because he got possessed. I know. Uh, Later, Dean Fogg is in his dark office when Quentin comes in and asks, like, what do we do? And Fogg says he doesn't know. And Quentin says, fuck that. Eliza is dead. She was the only one with answers. Fogg Mm -hmm. says, there are no answers, Quentin, because we have no idea what will happen next. Most likely outcome, you die. Your friends die. We all die. Very bloody. And all of this will have been for nothing. And he drinks his drink. And I thought the episode was going to end there. I was like, thanks for the pep talk. (laughs) I thought it was going to end on like the bleakest moment possible. But it does not. We jump back to the physical house. Alice is pacing when Quentin comes in. She asks if he's okay. And they have a googly eye shared moment. And then they kiss. And the camera spins around them. And we're sort of like, oh, I guess. They're going to go magically bang, I guess. Yeah. And then they go upstairs together. And we get twinkly music playing us out. The end of episode. Oh. Yeah. The ending was kind of okay. (laughs) I wish it ended on the very serious dark note rather than like, but there's always sex. I think it would have ended better. Not with like Dean Fogg's thing was if it ended on Elliot after he had killed Mike. Oh, that would be so heavy. Yeah. It would have been, but it would have been really dark and really heavy. You're like, oh, and then you would have seen him. <laughs> and then and then you're like, oh my God, I feel so bad. That would you would have been left with like feeling horrible yeah. for Elliot. You know what I mean? That's so. true. And then I feel like in the next episode, we could have had Fogg say that thing to multiples of them. Like there is no answer. Right. It could have been like that'd be really good. But yeah. anyway, still very impactful episode where like a lot of shit went down. Totally. Oh my God. I mean, so, okay, so what do we think now, guys? Like, how will they stop the beast? Like, how is that going to happen? Can they stop the beast Can at they? all? Yeah. Will they finally travel to Fillory? Um, like, where the hell is fucking Katie? Where the hell did she go? Uh, and where Margo where the, come back? Where are the other siblings? If Jane is real. Where's Martin? What where was the older, the, the older brother that left? Like, he. Ed. Edward, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, I don't remember his name, but I there was an older remember. brother and we don't hear anything about him. So I want to know what yeah, happened to him. Like so. where, and if Jane was real, what does that mean about like everything Quentin knows from the books? Right. Like, and the fact that he, you know, may not know what actually happened in the books. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll like, see. We'll see. Some we'll of f- this was real or like retellings. And then you have to think about like, oh, fuck. Not to mention Fillory Book Six. <gasps> What's in Book Six? Oh no! We'll have to find out probably, probably next week because next week's episode is the writing room or the writer's room. Is it writing room or writers? Eh, we'll, well find out. In this show, writer's room is much darker. Yes. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And I'm scared of what we'll find out. Go ahead and shoot us some messages on social media. You can see uh, Orlean on Instagram or Twitter at Spooky Orlean. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap. Or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. 
Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. And we'll see you here, same time, same, I was going to say, same, same bad place. And I was going to say, same Break Bill's time, same Hedgewitch channel, <laughs> or podcast, or whatever. Yeah, keep the moths away, everyone. Bye. <laughs>